0: Hi, I am Tengen, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, I speak to Jonathan, chief financial officer at MOLIAC and board member at the Down Syndrome Association of Singapore. Jonathan has an illustrious career, starting at CIMB before rising the ranks in the biopharmaceutical space. He is also an active advocate and supporter for families with Down Syndrome. Jonathan is father to two children, including a son, Nathan, who turns two in September. My conversation with Jonathan was inspiring, and I hope it is for you too. Hey Jonathan, welcome to the Parents in Tech show. To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family? Hi Tina,
1: thanks for having me. Um, sure, so I'm a proud father. Uh, my wife and I have two under two. So the eldest is uh, turning two in September, youngest is five <laughs> to six months old now. Uh, so as you can imagine, it's quite a handful uh, back home.
0: <laughs> wow, congratulations, Sam. But I also imagine you're not getting much sleep. <laughs> no, I we just about
1: uh, got to the stage where we can sleep through the night with number one and then number two decided to make an appearance.
2: So. <laughs> that's
0: wonderful, that's wonderful. Now let's dial back a little, John, right? We well, would love to hear a bit more about how you got to know your wife and also when did children come into the picture?
1: Sure, so let's see, we... Got engaged twenty seventeen, married in twenty eighteen. Uh, so essentially, I guess we had two to three years of just each other before uh, our baby was born, or we found out we were pregnant. So hmm. it's an interesting story because in uh in December twenty nineteen, you know that's when we went for our sort of annual of the year trip so we were in jordan my wife and i with her sister uh three of us at that point in time we did not actually realize that we were already pregnant uh so climbing this climbing that still drinking the whole works uh came back to singapore a couple weeks later we realized oh okay what a pleasant surprise Um, so that's Mm. sort of you know how we found out we were
0: pregnant Ah, oh, that's wonderful. Now I know uh, you shared this also, but I would love to hear a bit more about how that pregnancy journey went. When was it that you made the discovery? Maybe just talk to me through that whole process. Sure.
1: So even before we started trying, we wanted to sort of find out how fertile we were. If you like, you know, we we always thought we wanted a bigger family, so maybe three, uh, three kids. So the idea is, okay, we can't wait too long. First one, you know, has to come quite about soon before, you know, we start planning for the next. So, so on that basis, we, okay, let's just go get ourselves checked out. Um, Turns out, you know, by and large, we were okay. Uh, She did have some, some issues. So the fact that the Mm. first pregnancy came so quickly was a very, very pleasant
2: surprise.
1: As with, any pregnancy, I think, you know, once you find out you're pregnant, you pee on your first uh, pregnancy state, then you pee on a second one immediately after because you just don't quite believe your eyes. Uh, in our case, we did yep. probably five or six before, we, <laughs> you know, like the wow. next day when you okay. wake up in the morning again, okay, let's just double check. <laughs> we, you know, we went to see a, a, gynae, uh, it was a gynae that was recommended by a friend. Mm. Uh, in a private setting, we found out we were pregnant, so that was about week eight. Yep. Uh, and then you know we sort of did every I think at that stage it's sort of every three three weeks or so you do a, one scan. So the yep. twelve week mark again, you know, in, as a parent, I think you know that sort of first trimester getting past that's the sort of the biggest hurdle, if you like. Um, Correct. So. We went to the clinic, super excited. We're like, okay, you no, know, all you're hoping for is to see a heart, heartbeat. Uh, so we went to the clinic, you know, saw the heartbeat. But the gynae took especially long. She kept scanning, going over. Uh, as for some parents are like, don't really know what that's like. You hmm. perhaps think, okay, I guess that's normal. Um, but then she kept going over, kept going over you know, different angles, tried to shift the tummy a little bit. And then she said something the guy said, uh, well, you know, it generally looks good, heartbeat is good, but there's one thing that I'm not quite happy about. And she said that there was a thick nucleophone. Uh mm. so again just just for the benefit of, you know, all the listeners. So thick nuclefoam meaning the thickness behind the neck uh, is something that they'll look at. Uh right. typically should not be too thick. Anything that's out of their normal range, I think it's 2mm, they consider that as, you know, potentially a genetic condition. So that was our first indication as to, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's not an entirely smooth pregnancy. That came as a bit of a shock. We were like, okay, what's all of this about? Um, mm. She referred us to get a second opinion. Yep. She... Then also, obviously, with the neutronic acceptance, you're going to do an NIPT. Uh, yes. So of those prenatal testings, uh, mm-hmm. our results came back as high risk. Right? right. So at that point, when she, and, you know, if you know my wife and I, even while waiting for that two weeks to pass, we were calling her every single day and trying to chase, not just her, but trying to get the number of the laboratory, you know, trying all our means to expedite the process. Um, yep. so we got our results fairly quickly, came back at high risk. We, you know, it was a huge shock. I think that, that whole two weeks of waiting was, was not pleasant to say the least. Huh? Hmm. Hmm. We went into the doctors. We, our first words were, you know, we decided that we do want to keep the job.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And her first words were oh. And at that point in time it was just about when COVID hit. So everyone's wearing masks and all that. And she's like, oh, are you guys Christian? And, and that also took us, you know, a, a bit like, oh, why does that matter? Or what, you know, what's yeah. the relevance? <laughs>
2: um,
1: and yeah. then, you know, she did further checks. Um, so that was sort of the journey as to how we first found
2: out about Nathan's diagnosis.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. And then... W- I mean, maybe before we get to that, I would love to hear a bit more about the certainty that you and your wife had of not terminating the pregnancy. Where did that come from? Was there ever a discussion or was it just something that both of you were absolutely clear on that's not an option? Okay. So the
1: first inkling we had, as I mentioned, that the scan where you, oh, go for what does all of this mean? Uh they did a few other checks. So for example nasal bone is another indicator. Um yep. apart from the nucleophone, everything checked out, at least for any neurotypical child. So hmm. we admittedly, you know, we did have a glimmer of hope if you like, We're like, hope. oh you know, maybe it's nothing. But then obviously when the NIPT result came back as high risk. The very first thing we did, uh called my parents. They came down, you know, we were just in tears mostly that whole
2: night. Yeah,
1: uh, my parents were super worried. What, you know, is this going to change their marriage? Is this going to change them fundamentally? Are they going to be able to cope yeah. financially? Um, yeah. Between my wife and I, what do we do, you know? You, yeah. Typically, I and maybe not typically, but before you do your sort of, this 12-week scan and the NIPT, typically, I think most parents would have a brief conversation. If you know, What would you do if yes. the child has Down syndrome? You know? yep. So we did have that brief conversation. We went in knowing, okay, we would still keep the child. But I right. can assure you that at a point in time when you realize that you're actually you know, in that position, it yeah. changes everything. So wow. we were, were just lost and wanting to find wow. out more. Uh, All right. It's. I think for most part, people probably don't even know anybody else uh, with Down syndrome. At least, maybe not in yeah. their immediate circle. And you, so for yeah. us, it was a very foreign concept. We literally did not know any really too much about it. Uh, okay. So, so that was a difficult period. Uh, yeah. I guess I work in the soft of healthcare slash life science area. So the first thing we did was yeah. to dive deep in the research. Yep. I understand what all of this meant, uh, what are the implications, what are other people with Down syndrome, what are they doing, how are they living their lives, how are their families supporting them. And that's we
0: Wow, got it. And I know one of the things that also you mentioned was just the element of cost and finances, right? And also, I guess, balancing what you and perhaps your wife wanted to achieve in your careers and what that meant. Uh, talk to me a bit more about the considerations and the struggles that both of you went through. I think
1: my wife was just infinitely stronger than I was. Uh, she was a lot more assured. But what was also, uh, sort of fundamental was that we agreed we both needed to be
2: on the same page.
1: You know, it was going to be very difficult if you know one partner was you know wanted to keep the child, the other one did not, and then you're sort of yeah. forcing. So it's that was always you know struggle, So we say, okay, you know, let's support each other, make sure we are both really on the same page. There's no pressure yep. in that sense. Um, for me, again, when I wear my finance hat, it's like, okay, cost is going to be a huge uh, factor, you know. Uh, yep. When we read more about the research, uh, again, after birth, typically, uh, most children with Down syndrome, they need to go for go to NICU, so neonatal ICU or some sort yep. of special care nursery. Um, Nathan himself, for example, he did spend two weeks in uh, NICU slash SCN, so special care nursery. Um, right. All of this just meant, oh, okay, shit, it's cost going to add up, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to escalate. Yeah. Its, and then that's just yeah. the initial stage, you know. Thereafter, it's uh, the whole life. Um, mm. And the uh, biggest worry, and again, when you speak to other parents with, uh, Down syndrome, especially in the adulthood, what happens uh, when the parents are gone? What happens to the child? So these are real issues. Um, but what was really heartening is that. So I thought about doing the research. So apart from desktop research, the next thing we do is speak to other parents, right? Absolutely. Once you found a community, community is amazing. Absolutely right. amazing. Um, can tell you the story. So we reached out to this couple didn't know them mm. but you know so local couple with a young child at that point in time probably about four years old uh, with down mm. syndrome we reached out because we, we saw an article that they wrote and we we're like oh would love to hear more about your story um how we as you know parents can better prepare ourselves for the journey ahead. we met them the one time spoke yeah. for 20 to 30 minutes the next day they texted us saying we went through something similar and there were financial hurdles. We want to give you some money to help you get by. Wow. You know, so immediately they just offered like $3,000. We did not take the money in the end, but that just goes to show how strong the community is. You know, Meeting someone for the wow. first time, the next day they immediately tried to help you out. Right. And so a lot, lot of sort of touching stories along the way. We happened to meet another contact who also has a child with Down syndrome. And for me personally, that was the biggest soft turning point. So, And that was the day after we heard about the news of uh, the high-risk news, right? So went to see yep. them. We met their child. The first person in my life that I've ever met with Down syndrome was this one-year-old oh. boy. Uh, and okay. it really showed us that, hey, actually things are not that different. They right. are still a loving family. They love yep. their child bits. It's uh, they yep. are able to go about and do any, any anything that you can imagine a,
2: a typical parent with his or her own yeah. child. You know? Yeah.
1: And so I think that showed us like, hey, actually it's not that bad. Sure sure it's going to be a lot of work, but I think with any child it's always going to be a lot of work anyways.
0: Definitely, definitely. Now I'm curious, right? In those conversations you had with parents in your research or discovery journey, what were some of the Differences that you people told you or you read about, and did those actually play out?
1: For us, what was particularly disheartening was hmm. when we first found out and we first told our guyne that hey, you no, know, we want to keep the child. She did further scans, and then unfortunately, for Nathan, he had this uh, sort of like a bubble or halo over his entire head that's something called cystic hygroma, but. Based on that, she told us a bunch of inaccurate uh, things. For example, she said, Your child is going to turn out gross. And it's very, like, what, what are you saying to me? Wow.
0: And so, Wow, wait. They, actually She actually said that, so, like the word gross.
1: Sure, verbatim, your child is going to come out gross. Do you know what spastic is? Your child is going you know, like spastic. Spasticity.
2: And I was like, Yeah, I
1: understand. What, what are you saying? Wow. So that that was not easy to hear. Uh, suffice to say that was also the last time we saw her and we changed kindly thereafter. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So her last words as we were sort of exiting her clinic, she the literal words were, Take it from me, just terminate the
0: pregnancy. Wow. So I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, that just sounds was, terrible.
1: That's yeah. that's crazy. Uh. So I think we started off, off the ground immediately fearing the worst. because, you know, if this is something your gynae know, is telling you, you're a first-time parent, you're immediately scared, Yeah.
2: right? Yeah.
1: But like I said, you know, thankfully my wife's a lot stronger. So you know, we went to do the work and we found out it's hmm. really not that bad. We were probably unlucky that we had a gynae who was just medically inaccurate in a lot of the things she was saying. But let's say with any child with Down syndrome, you reached out to a few different resources and one such resource is Down Syndrome Association in Singapore and they sort of gave us the hope that, hey, things are not all that bad. There are resources out mm. there. What's yep. highly critical for any child with Down syndrome is early intervention. Mm. And so when we started looking for sort of your role models, if you like, we saw examples, especially in the West, in the, in the US, and Australia, where you have people with Down syndrome going on to achieve amazing things. Some are, you know, one became an Ironman, some went on to university. So they can go on to achieve a lot more as long as we give them that exposure, you know, we don't go around setting limitations on what they can achieve and just treat them like any other child.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I also know that early intervention started very early. Probably when Nathan just entered the world, maybe talk to me a bit more about that process because so some of the parents that are listening to this, uh, perhaps a, a handful, they might be going through this journey at some point. We'd we'll love to hear a bit more about what the experience is like. Okay.
1: So why early intervention is highly critical is because uh, with Down syndrome, that means your developmental outcomes are typically delayed the way to catch up with a neurotypical child in terms of developmental milestones. So they will hit their milestones. It's just a delay. So to narrow that gap and narrow that delay, it's really true intervention. So for a typical child who will probably learn how to crawl and how to walk, of that comes very naturally. For a child with Down syndrome, you need to be uh, a lot more conscious and intentional. So when Nathan was five weeks old, he started early convention. This was about once a week. And again, because of, if not for COVID, it would be a lot more regular, but we were right smack in COVID. So it was only once a week. Uh, that was all the, the association could take on themselves the number of uh, kids that they were able to see. So once a week, we were going in for sessions, even simple things. Right. I guess most people won't think about flipping from back to front, front to back, these are things that we needed to be a lot more intentional about. Learning how to drink right. milk uh, because of a mm. with Down syndrome, you typically have lower muscle muscle tone. Learning how to drink milk, swallow. Mm. These were things that needed to be encouraged, needed to be taught. And again, big shout out to KK Hospital. You know, our best decision was really going to KK Hospital. The suite of sort of add-on services that they provide speech therapy, hmm. physiotherapy, immensely helpful.
0: Got it. Yeah. I'm curious, John, as you went about going through these early interventions, I'm sure one big part of it is also how will I manage my career, my work? Talk to me a bit more about that and the stress that be, that went behind that.
1: Both my wife and I have highly demanding jobs. Um, I mean, she's a startup founder. I currently CFO of my, my company. He highly demanding jobs but I think one again so Nathan was born September 2020 mm. for most part of the pregnancy we were in lockdown which worked out great to be quite honest mm. even as you know as things slowly opened up for most part you're we working from home so that really allowed us to spend additional time at home with the family to support yeah. each other as best as we can gradually you know the same you know, it takes a village to raise a child trying to bring in yeah. that village, whether it's parental support, yeah. and really trying to fit everything on a schedule. A lot of parents that we spoke to who were raising children with special needs, quite often one, and I'm, I may be generalizing here a little bit, but quite often one parent will potentially decide to take a step back in terms of career. Maybe stay home yeah. dad or mom, uh, the
2: yeah. other parent goes out
1: For us, we realize that we both do enjoy our work. We both enjoyed our careers because mm. it doesn't help that we also have a mortgage. Pay, but <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we both genuinely enjoyed our work. So it wasn't something we yep. wanted to necessarily leave behind. But at the same time, we realized we can do both. You know, I think it's a fallacy to think that you have to choose one or the other. You can do both. You are able to do both really well as well. You know, it's not like mm. you're going to not be able to achieve at work if you, you know. For us, it's a lot of work, but it's doable, and I would encourage other parents to uh, be open to that idea. That yes, you, you need you probably need an understanding boss who will allow you to take some hours off in the day to send your child for therapy. But you know, yeah. you know, I'm fortunate enough
2: to have
1: a boss who's also understanding, and so I you just make up the hours at other times of the day, and the. Uh, biggest benefit about having a young kid is you're not going to be sleeping in the middle of the night so that's all the time you get (laughs) you know to make up the hours. so there you go
0: wow and it sounds like both you and your wife are very engaged and so tell me a bit more about how parenting workload schedules how is that managed between you and your wife
1: we are both very involved We have children with down syndrome so that just means a whole lot more hospital visits whether it's something more mundane like just making sure everything is up to check in terms of their health uh, or whether it's something that requires intervention so there's there's a bit more to do we you really need both parties to take a hands-on approach so we support each other Mm -hmm. if I'm unavailable in that couple of hours she steps in if you know vice vice versa so I think we probably can't afford to to be in a position where one child plays a less active role, we really need both to step in during the times where both of us are not able to shift our schedules around. You know,
2: yep. grandparents come in with a picture. Yes, so yes. That, that's always yeah. helpful.
0: Definitely, I think it truly really takes a village to raise a child. And one of the support networks you earlier mentioned was the Down Syndrome Association of Singapore. Tell me a bit more about how you got involved with it. Well, I guess you mentioned earlier about uh, reaching out during the pregnancy. But yeah, we would love to hear a bit more about what this association is. And now you are a board member at it. So what was the journey like to get involved and yeah, help educate us on what the mandate of Down Syndrome Association of Singapore is?
1: Again, in that journey, when you find, when you find out your child has Down Syndrome, the first thing you do nowadays is you Google, right? So Down Syndrome, yes. Singapore. Uh, one of the first few searches you come across is Down Syndrome Association in Singapore. That's how we sort of came across, and we realized, oh okay, there's an association, there's a community around this. That's one of our main resources in terms of finding out more about what Down Syndrome is. You know, they yep. they provided us that that support and the sort of during the pregnancy stage where they were able to say the first few words that you when you tell someone else you have a child who probably has Down syndrome when you're pregnant the first you words someone would typically say is sorry uh, right. whereas as yeah. a parent what you really want to hear is congratulations like congrats on being pregnant so even little things like this uh, what to say what not to say to parents with a child who have children with Down syndrome um, so then they came on board they, they were like hey congrats guys we'd love to keep in touch here, here are a slew of different programs that they offer so essentially they do sort of you know from birth all the way on to adults. So in the early years, they have something called infant-toddler program. Uh, In the Hmm. later years, something what they call IFSP. So essentially, they have different programs catering to different life stages of someone all the way to adulthood, trying to put them in the workforce. They work with uh, different agencies in terms of placements. Um, And then the end goal is really independent living. And so that's what the association mm. tries to help you with. There are various sort of enrichment classes and programs. So my mm. first contact point was during that pregnancy where we're like, okay, what's, what does all of this mean? Can you can you shed some light? And then the second point of contact was this infant-toddler program that I talked about. So when I said Nathan uh, started therapy at five weeks old, so they have a center in Bishan, uh, and that's where we sent yep. him for his first sort of early intervention classes.
0: Right, right. And then now you are a board member. So talk to me. Talk to me a bit more about that.
1: Sure. And because of my child, you know, this became a topic that I'm highly passionate about raising that awareness. It was something that I'm particularly uh, passionate about. You know, when I went through my own journey, I realized there's just not enough awareness. There are probably you know millions more like me parents where their first point of contact is with a doctor who tells them something potentially inaccurate scares them into, you know, terminating. And I think at the end of the day, you have your decision, that's fine, but at least you are presented the facts and you're able to make a sound decision based on those facts instead of being scared into one. And so this whole topic about awareness became something I was passionate about. I tried to reach out to the hospital, like, is there anything you can do? And then I started speaking more to uh, Down Syndrome Association and through that, you know, through that, I became more and more involved. When when we were up for elections, I raised my hand up, and that's how I, you know got involved as a board member.
0: Wow. Okay. So tell me a bit more about that involvement. What plans you guys have for the association, and how parents who want to support, even those who are you know perhaps their children do not have Down syndrome, how can they get involved? Yeah.
1: So I I think the association is great because they're really trying to go after the whole community of people around, whether you're at an early stage, just find out. Little infant, toddler, supporting you through primary school, helping you with independent living. That's where the association really tries to come in and help. And so all of this is sort of self-funded. And one of the, among the many charity sort of fundraising efforts that the association does, uh, the key one is yep. really a charity gala. So this right. charity gala is an annual dinner Uh, in september this year so september 24th we have minister chan chun sing gracing the event and it's really an opportunity for again back to that awareness for people who may not necessarily have that contact with someone with down syndrome to go and see that hey we can achieve a lot more there's a lot more that people with down syndrome can achieve and so i would encourage you know your your listeners to, to check it out you know whether it's an outright donation, whether it's buying a table or a seat to, to the event and really seeing for yourself that these beneficiaries, they can go on to achieve.
0: Definitely. Well, we'll definitely include that link uh, and share that with our audience too so that they can support in that. Thank you. So Jonathan, looking back right, at the whole parenting journey, is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: Let's see. The biggest lesson for us was that, or at least for me personally, was how to support my wife. I think it's... Easy to think, oh, they're just going through some body changes, but in reality, it's a lot more than that. They, are, they're growing your child. They are experiencing body changes that you never ever be able to imagine. Um, they go through the birth. I have immense respect, uh, for what my wife went through, and now not just once but twice, <laughs> and through it all, yet remaining strong for the family. So with Nathan was a you know a more challenging pregnancy than you would expect we had a number of uh, health concerns along the way but she you know she remained the pillar of support um if there's sort of one learning point it's really how best uh,
2: as a father as
1: a husband we can you know best support
0: uh, our spouse indeed indeed that w- that's golden advice right truly it's such a physically and mentally challenging journey for our wives when they go through that journey and to be to be able to, de- to be there to support them, I think that that's critical. Jonathan, this has been a really, really enjoyable conversation. To wrap up our time today, what advice would you give to parents out there having been a parent over the past two years yourself? I think trust yourself.
1: Quite often you're trying to ask this friend, that friend, uh, read up on the internet, what should I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? I think at the end of the day trust yourself as a parent that your your own instincts and you know your child best uh, trust yourself mm. that you're doing the right thing and the child will grow up perfectly fine.
0: i love that trust yourself don't worry so much and just stick with your principles which is exactly what you and your wife did well jonathan it's such a joy to speak with you today thank you so much for taking time off and yeah we look forward to to seeing you around as at, at, at the dinner too
1: Thanks, Sinan. I hope to see you at the dinner. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of Parents in Tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode folks, see you next time!